You're listening to the Risk Management Podcast, hosted by Rex Chatterjee. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Risk Management Podcast with me, your host, Rex Chatterjee. Of course, the podcast being brought to you by Titan Gray, Global Risk and Crisis Management, www.titangray.com. So without further ado of, of trying to go through the introduction, I think we all know what this episode eight being produced on the 21st of December 2021 is going to be about. And, you know, if you've guessed the Omicron variant, ding, 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 you are in fact correct. Since we first covered the Omicron variant on episode six, a quick take we published back on the 9th of December, you know, it's really, um, you know, to say taken over uh, both the news cycle and the discourse on business risk, it would be an understatement. It's all anyone can really talk about right now. And, you know, quite frankly, with good reason, because it is seemingly as infectious as we thought. You know, while there's still studies to be done and judgments to be made about how deadly the Omicron variant is versus the Delta variant and, you know, the original COVID, uh, nevertheless, the high, high, high rate of transmissibility and the speed with which the infection has really just taken over both um, the U.S., but also, you know, the, the rest of the world globally is both shocking, but it's also as rapid as expected. You know, right now, Omicron accounts for uh, 73% of all U.S. cases. You know, and quite frankly, every perspective on the issue that we've gotten thus far has, you know, really indicated that that um, is likely to increase. And so let's think about what this means for business specifically, right? Omicron only became the, you know, 73% leading variant um, through a high rate of transmissibility. But for businesses, realize that this creates a very specific risk. So whereas with Delta, with the original strain of COVID, et cetera, there was transmission, but then you also have to consider severity of illness and people needing hospitalization and extensive, you know, means of care, et cetera. Um, just because the Omicron variant doesn't seem to, at least from initial data, but again, data will prove that out eventually, but from initial estimates, it doesn't seem to be as uh, causative of severe illness. Nevertheless, for businesses, it is an even more, and I'll say that again, it is an even more significant risk. And here's why, right? I think this is pretty logical once you kind of think it through. It doesn't matter and again, not to sound callous, whether someone becomes severely ill or mildly ill from the perspective of whether that person is sick or not, whether that person has COVID or not, whether that person, you know, can come to the office or, you know, if that person is employed doing a job that is by nature in person, such as making deliveries or operating a camera in a newsroom, right? It the infection, regardless of whether it is a severe or mild infection, would inhibit this person from being able to produce for the business, right? To be productive, to come to work, et cetera. So from a business perspective, right? And this is the thing that I think a lot of folks who are quick to say, oh, well, you know, um, Omicron isn't going to be as bad, are not seeing, which is the fact that with a positive test with an actual infection, the ability to function business-wise is diminished. And this one has more positive tests and a higher rate of infection than, than Delta or the original strain of COVID, right? So 
we need to circle back to, uh, this is something that we had said on um, episode six, the quick take that we produced on the 9th of December, almost you know two weeks ago, which is that offices that have folks going in need to really think hard again about how necessary it is for that person to be, or that team, whatever, what have you, uh, to be in the office, right? And so the way we think about it is, look, if there are things that can only be done from within an office setting or from within, you know, a workplace setting, it's important to rotate staff in and out and to not have, uh, you know, the commingling of overlapping responsibilities. So if there's a function that, you know, only two people can do, well, those two people shouldn't be in the office on the same day, right? To reduce the risk of, of cross transmission. And suddenly there's no people who can come into the office to do that one thing, you know, and then similarly taking into account, um, you know, what work really needs to be done and can only be done. And that's really the test can only be done from the office versus can be done, you know, from home. Right. And here's another kind of perspective, which is to say that a lot of business leaders have been running around the internet, Twitter, quite frankly, uh, saying that, Oh, look, you know, folks are more productive when they are in an office setting versus when they are, you know, working from home. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not right. But regardless of whether you believe that's true or that's not, it's now time to weigh the relative productivity of someone being at home and being less likely to contract the Omicron strain versus being in the office and, you know, perhaps marginally more productive if we want to just give that room to exist for a second, uh, that thought, but then, you know, nevertheless having a higher chance of being rendered completely unproductive by an infection with Omicron, right? And so, you know, what we've counseled then and what we'll again state now is to really think hard if you're a business leader managing teams of folks um, about going back to a rotational system of in-office work or reinstituting work-from-home policies um, or issuing them anew. I don't know too many businesses that could have had remote working that didn't, uh, but, you know, if you're even one of those businesses, remote work right now might just be the safer and probabilistically speaking, um, the more productive option, you know, all things considered, you know, and then to complicate matters for businesses further. And, you know, honestly, we feel for businesses small and large during this time, not just because of, of folks getting sick and of all the human calamities well, but, you know, in terms of staying compliant now with rules and regulations, the entire situation, both on a federal, but also on a state and local level has become incredibly, and we keep hearing this word used and it just about captures it, honestly, is that the whole situation is muddled. You know, we've had questions come in regarding the federal mandate, which then, uh, you know, promulgated by the uh, Department of Labor and then, you know, uh, blocked at the district court level and then overruled and reinstated at the court of appeals level. And uh, currently, you know, that's been appealed. But as of now, right, um, OSHA and the DOL have been saying, well, look, right, um, there is going to be a mandate for vaccinations for employers, private employers. Uh, but, you know, in light of the fact that the whole thing has been a bit, quote unquote, muddled, um, you know, enforcement won't really start in principle until February to give folks, you know, a time to get everything um, in order. But then complicating that, you've got local level um, legislation and rulemaking from, you know, various uh, cities and states, right? So you've got uh, city of New York with uh, its own mandate. Um, you've got 
stuff coming out of Florida, pushing back on federal rules for large employers, you know, and we'll drop in the uh, show notes and link to an article from the New York Times that references JP Morgan. If you think about a business like JP Morgan with retail operations in a whole number of states, you've got federal compliance and then you've got local and city and state level compliance in a number of different jurisdictions and compliance might look different, you know, across different geographic areas, right? So from a risk management perspective, the thing that we can say here at this point is the deployment of resources, right? So whether it's creating, you know, working task forces or focus groups within um, business units, uh, be they legal risk compliance, depending on the size of the organization, but having someone, you know, um, really be in touch with both what's coming out um, from rulemaking and regulatory bodies, and then also bringing in, you know, potentially external legal support to kind of help parse and opine. Right now, everything still seems to be a bit more uncertain than certain. So rather than, however, do nothing and kind of take a wait and see approach, it's important to get an assessment internally from the business as to what is uh, possible and likely. And, you know, given the state of mandates as they are today, what would compliance look like and what potential costs, both, um, you know, from a variety of perspectives, uh, capital, human capital, et cetera, um, would that impose on the business and how can the business best manage those costs in light of functioning in a compliant manner? So that sort of thinking work can happen today, um, with obviously an eye towards revision as things become more and more clear as the situation progresses. You know, and on a wholly other note, but one that we are nevertheless kind of looking at um, with a bit of concern, quite frankly, is uh, in light of the sort of public-private partnership that exists with getting, you know, vaccines and boosters rolled out. So, you know, for instance, in our local market here in New York City, where the podcast is produced, uh, you know, look, if if let's say I wanted to go get a booster, yeah, there are, you know, government operated facilities. Um, but for me in lower Manhattan, these are a bit far. They're a bit distant. You know, they're in um, I think the closest one to us um, for our offices in lower Manhattan was up in, in the Bronx. And if you're, you know, a New Yorker, uh, you know that that is um, distant to uh, say the least. So the news story that, um, you know, might get a little overlooked, but I think it's really important to kind of highlight here and to really take a critical look at. Again, there's nothing that, you know, private enterprising minds can really do about it. But um, Rite Aid has announced that they're closing uh, more than 60 locations. Uh, Last month, CVS Health announced it would shutter more than 900 of its locations. You know, when now between the two, it's it's up near a thousand. Um, And this most recent one, um, you know, the thing we worry about here is rollout. So there's already enough issues with folks, you know, being kind of leery of getting vaccinated and, you know, taking a booster shot where, you know, the science has shown thus far, um, insofar as we can know presently, that these have been effective, uh, highly effective, I might even say, right, um, against um, the virus. But getting people to want to take them is one thing. Having quick and ready access to them is another. And so to the extent that the state and federal governments, um, city and state and federal governments are really reliant upon um, this sort of like public-private partnership um, to get shots into arms, 
the closure of potential outlets, potential you know locations where in which people uh, could get boosters or vaccines, what have you, um, closing down in large numbers, you know, it's it's worrisome, right? And what I would say from a risk management perspective is, you know, there's nothing anyone can do really about um, locations closing down from from any individual perspective. So it's just terribly important to be proactive, right, about getting vaccinated, getting boosters, signing up for, you know, shots that, you know, frankly, appointments may not be for for weeks at this point, right? And then those lag times may continue to to telescope out, right, because of what seems to be a drop in the total number of outlets which would have them available, right? And of course, you know, that is being counteracted in some measure. Again, it's not a direct one-to-one, you know, cause and effect response, but the Biden administration's plan, uh, which was announced earlier today, 21st of December, um, includes, you know, the mobilization of military medical personnel, um, testing sites, et cetera, uh, vaccination drives, and so on and so forth. But um, the, the situation presently, um, we, we just don't really have a solid view as to exactly how this is going to play out. So the thing that we would suggest overall is for everyone to be proactive and for businesses to um, empower and assist personnel to make these decisions and avail themselves and their families and so on and so forth of resources as they become available. Um, it's just incredibly important. And, you know, the situation, frankly, could get worse before it gets better. And to that end, you know, it is a difficult ask after the world has lived, you know, under COVID and then the Delta variant to now ask for, you know, further sacrifices of, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it's family time, holiday travel, um, events and entertainment, etc. But at the end of the day, this thing isn't over. And it's incredibly important to nevertheless, all of us still behave responsibly um, in light of the fact that COVID is, is more present than ever and more infectious than ever um, currently. So, you know, the reports have started to kind of trickle in, right? The New York City Rockets uh, with the famous Radio City Christmas Spectacular um, has have canceled the remainder of their holiday shows. Uh, the NHL today reported that it is going to halt its season We've heard a stat that we'll link to, um, but it's something like 15%. That's one five percent of um, the NHL's players are under COVID protocols presently. And there's nothing here that really indicates to us that these are, you know, sort of one-off or random cancellations or closures, right? And so we'd expect, you know, over the uh, next few days, weeks, etc. To hear more um, of this sort of news, cancellations and closures and postponements and things like that. Now, those are decisions made by sports leagues and large organizations, but there are also decisions in the same vein, right, um, that each of us personally, right, and businesses themselves can enact, can make. And so the things we want to think about are events of high transmission of transmissibility. So... This could be anything from 
holiday travel to business travel to business events, gatherings, you know, we know it's the holiday season. Folks are thinking about, you know, New Year's Eve parties, perhaps, um, things like that. You know, in New York City, where we are, um, our mayor de Blasio um, has indicated that it'll take until or that he would wait until Christmas Day, right, which is um, shortly approaching, you know, on Saturday, so the 25th, um, to make a determination as to whether to cancel or to hold the Times Square um, gathering, I suppose one would call it, the the typical, you know, folks masked up in the streets. And, you know, while, sure, the event is outdoors, um, you know, when you've got hundreds, if not thousands of people in very, very close proximity, um, it doesn't matter quite as much that it's outdoors. Um, transmission can, and if it goes on, will likely uh, still happen. So there seems to be a variety of opinion here, but from our perspective, the risk of mass cross-infection of Omicron that would stress an otherwise stressed public health system that we have in place today is not wise. Um, if you look at lines um, and you know demand exceeding supply uh, for tests um, and testing, it if it's this bad now, I can't imagine what it would look like, and again, speaking from experience here in New York City, uh, but what it would look like um, were there to be a super spreader event such as, you know, a, a, the Times Square gathering or something of the, of the sort, right? So um, at least until there is better information that's kind of out there and known about the spread of Omicron, you know, our advice is to strongly reconsider um, putting yourself, your employees, your family, your loved ones, et cetera, in a situation that, you know, unnecessarily exposes individuals to risk of both infection, but then also the ability to transmit and further spread the Omicron infection. As in many ways depressing as that is to say, nevertheless, all of the data, all of the market indicators, everything we've seen and heard uh, from our end, um, you know, at, at Titan Gray and so on, um, has led us to understand that a dangerous time out there right now and how that the next few weeks could really dictate how the next few months play out. And then last, but you know, certainly not least, is our reprise of the advice that we've given to folks everywhere since the beginning of the pandemic or since quite near the beginning. It is to wear a mask. At the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, we were all aware of the anti-maskers, oh, you can't make me wear a mask, et cetera. And then it became the anti-vaxxers and what have you. Um, nevertheless, the data is unequivocally clear that wearing a mask does help prevent the spread of COVID. And to that end, we know that, look, it's been quite some time um, since you know most of us have been under a mask mandate or a strong mask suggestion. And so many of the masks that folks were wearing, you know, back at the start of the pandemic in early, you know, 2020, um, have just, you know, worn out. It's been, it's been almost two years. Uh, maybe they've been lost, discarded, cast aside, what have you. Fear not. All of us at the Risk Manager Podcast have put together a guide to the 
best and in many ways the most fashionable masks uh, that we might wear. You know, as uh, the winter progresses, it's the holidays after all. And, you know, just because there is a, you know, pandemic that is raging across the country and the world, um, it's never a bad time in December to gift someone or to gift yourself something nice. And so, you know, a little lighthearted take on um, something that is very serious, mask wearing, important, great masks available. Why not treat yourself? And in the show notes to this episode available on our website, riskmanagementpodcast.com, click on episode eight, we'll post a link, um, several links rather, to um, the masks that, you know, we would buy ourselves, etc. Okay, well, it's been a heavy episode and, you know, there's a lot more to cover in the realm of business risk and we'll certainly get to that on episode nine, a quick take to be forthcoming. But for now, it's been enough. There's enough to think about here for businesses in figuring out how to deal with um, the rising Omicron threat, overlapping government mandates, etc. You know, if any questions, we're always here to, you know, kind of discuss and give you our latest um, titangray.com. I'm reachable at rex at titangray.com. And we're happy to discuss, but you know, until next time, stay safe out there. The Risk Management Podcast is a production of Titan Grey, Global Risk and Crisis Management, and is hosted by Rex Chatterjee. If you found our content helpful, please take a moment to give us a review and to hit the like and subscribe buttons for more great content. To reach us, send an email to info at riskmanagementpodcast.com. This recording is a copyright of Titan Grey LLC with all rights reserved. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay safe out there.